You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At 425, we will predict Sam Howell's stat line. And at 5 o'clock, might Sunday be the final game? Of the Dan Snyder era. Welcome back. Grant and Danny on the fan. It is time for our Beltway Blitz. We got a jam-packed. Caps looking for a second win in two nights coming up. And we'll talk Commanders with Rick Snyder, who spoke with Sonny Jurgensen, who's being honored, and his jersey's being retired this weekend. But before we get to the Caps and the Commanders, we start you off on the hardwood. Things have been looking up for the Wizards, playing much better basketball. Wes Hall, NBC Sports Washington, Covers the team and hosts pre and post. Last time we saw them, West, they were losing to the Bucks, 123-113. But it was a competitive Wizards game against a team that got Giannis back. I want to start with Beal, though. He played yeah. 13 minutes. He left again with a hamstring. What do we know? Uh, we know that he's going to be out the next three games at least uh, before he's reassessed again due to that left hamstring string that he suffered against Philly. So, uh that's the status with Brad. As far as everybody else, everybody's still healthy and ready to go, even though Taj Gibson is questionable as well. Um, but uh, good things on a positive note, you got uh, Kyle Kuzma sitting seventh on the front court and also our first round voting. So let's go. Wes, I, I haven't seen any metrics, and maybe if you have some, I would I would love to hear them from you. But mm-hmm. I just feel anecdotally, this is a better defensive team with Daniel Gafford at the five and kind of everybody else sort of sliding down. All of a sudden, you're a lot bigger. Maybe not as quick uh, at, at some of the wing spots, but I really like this sort of old-school Twin Towers look uh, that they're going with here. I think they're a better team when they're doing that. I'll give you a number for you. Um, obviously, with these two starting together, they're five and one. I'll give you the fact that over these last five games, they've been out blocking opponents plus nine, so thirty-four to twenty-five. Uh, and on the offensive side, they're actually up plus twenty-five in the assist department. Mm. So not only does it work in the paint, but it helps the entire flow of the offense when you know that you're anchored down strong inside. So that should help the stats. Wise. Eleven points, twelve rebounds for Daniel Gafford. His usage yeah. is always kind of strange for me, though. Like. There are stretches where he's just uninvolved and gets a couple minutes here and there, and then it's like they change things up and things go through him all of a sudden. Is how do you explain that, or or is it more just if he's feeling it or he isn't? Like how do those ebbs and flows happen? No, it's so funny too because when we're watching the game, we're like, we got to get the big man activated early because there are going to be those lulls in the game. But I think it was against uh, in the last game where he started off like with the first eight points. It was one of those Milwaukee games. And you're like, that's the gaff we need. If he can go in and do what he's done over like the past 12 games, he's scored more than 10 points in nine of the last 12 matchups that he's had. And it's just about energy. Once he's involved, he's locked in, and he really is your traditional five. And it's so we're so used to not seeing a lot of those guys. But Daniel Gafford's old school. He wants to work down to the paint. 
He's going to try to block every single thing that comes near him. But I will give you this. And we were laughing. Jason Smith and I were laughing about this the other day. I said, Sticks, don't you appreciate how you've seen some extra moves come to Daniel Gafford's game? It's not just dunking on people. He's actually turning around, facing the rim, giving you some high kisses off the glass. I like where he's going. Wes, you mentioned Kuzma earlier. Well-deserved yeah. spot in the uh, in the All-Star voting, I think. He, he's been sensational this half. I was wrong. I didn't know he had this. I, didn't, I mean, I thought he could be a nice third piece on a really good team, et cetera. He's shown way more of a dynamic offensive game as both as a playmaker, a, a shot creator, a guy that can get his own offense. I've been blown away by his growth and development. How close are we to his ceiling, though, in, in your mind? Or is there just even more to come? Um, look, we, we all have egg on our face if we didn't think that he could get here. So I'm right there with you, Danny. Yeah. I, I didn't expect it. But I'm glad to see it because there's something to be said about a chip on your shoulder. This is a kid from Flint, Michigan, who, by the way of the NBA, ended up winning a championship with the Lakers. But with the trade, a lot of people are like, he's not happy he got traded. So he comes to D.C. and says, you know what? I'm going to make them remember me. And I talked to him at the beginning of the season, and I asked him for a bold prediction. Like, give me one. He said, all-star. Those are the only two words he used to answer that question. So I've been waiting on him to kind of take that next step. Where's the ceiling? Who knows? But if he wants to be an all-star and if he keeps performing like this, it won't just be the one year. This will be a consistent thing if Kyle Kuzma wants to keep playing this way. You can watch, you can watch Wes on NBCSW before and after every Wizards game. They're going to be busy into the weekend. Luckily, the Bucks in the rearview mirror, they've got the yes. Thunder. 8 o'clock tip, Oklahoma City tonight as they look to get to 18-22 and 22 on the season. Thank you, buddy. Gentlemen, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Wes. Be good. There's Wes Hall. Let's keep the blitz moving. John Walton was on the call last night of Capitals Hockey right here on the fan. Another day, another two points. They're in action again tonight. 7 o'clock puck drop. You can listen to John right here on the fan. They're looking to beat the Predators at home. John, you tweeted. I don't want to bury the lead, though, so I'll let you go with the numbers. You tweeted something about just how amazing this renaissance has been over the last month today that was pretty startling. Yeah, the startling part is that when you go back to the end of November, in fact, back to early December in the last 15 games, the Capitals have won 12 of 15 and taken points in 14 of 15. But before that stretch, they were 17 points back of then first place New Jersey. If they're able to win tonight, they will pass the Devils in the standings. That is obviously good news for Washington. That is something less for the Devils. But the fact that it only took a little bit more than a month to go from all but out of touch to potentially passing New Jersey this evening, moving into second place in the Metro, there are a couple of games in hand that New Jersey still has. But that doesn't matter to me. The fact that they are at the halfway point of the season, still the second half as it starts tonight against Nashville, and to be in the position that they're in, nothing short of remarkable. When it was about to fall into the ocean here about maybe six, seven, eight weeks ago, and right now, it's anything but. They are rolling. Yeah, headline is they're a buzzsaw. What's been the biggest difference? I mean, they were banged up to start the season. They've been banged up here recently, too. I mean, no John Carlson, Oshin out of the lineup, uh, you know, Nick Dow, pretty good excuse, by the way, uh, with the birth of his daughter, but they still don't have Baxter Max, they don't have Wilson, and yet this group has been nothing short of awesome here over the last 15 games plus. Yeah, I talked to Garnet Hathaway about that, Danny, after the game last night. You know, what goes into this? He said, we're just finally playing to our game. Like, we are. this is who we are, Is was his quote exactly. And to that end, it's been a different guy every night. I mean, Martin Ferravari puts one off his head last night. It's not like he's a goal scorer. He's only got three on the year, but it was at a great time. It ends up being the game winner. Hathaway's turned it on. You mentioned Dowd. 
Uh, he will be back, I believe, in the lineup tonight. But uh, seven goals in the last 13 games for him, and he's on pace for 20. He only got the double digits for the second time in his career last year. So uh, it's been a lot of guys chipping in. Uh, even Nicholas Abe Cubell gets his first as a capital last night. So I don't know outside of Alex Ovechkin that you can pin it on one thing. I don't think there's any question that Alex Ovechkin was your first half MVP, but there's a lot of different contributors. Kuznetsov's got a lengthy point streak now. Uh, there's a lot of guys that have made this go over the course of the last six weeks, and I think it's just been a team commitment going back to uh, what was in Edmonton a magical night on December 5th because if you know they're coming off a two-game losing streak and it looks like things are maybe going sideways for good, they won that night and they've only lost one game in regulation since then. It's crazy. Uh, John, specific to the returning players, and Danny referenced this team's getting healthier, but Willie and Backy both should be back any hour now. I mean, there was some thought that maybe both could be back tonight or one could be back tonight. I mean, what do we think? I think what I'm hearing is I don't know it's going to be tonight, but it is going to be really soon. I mean, you've got the game on Sunday at home against Columbus. And I think that when you look at it, I mean, this is the back half of two and two. So it was not a traditional, normal uh, game day where you would have had a morning skate today and you would have gone through all the things you would have. This is uh, – come to the rink tonight and play kind of situation. So I don't know that tonight would be the night, but, you know, whether it's Sunday or whether it's Wednesday, I, I don't think it's going to go too much longer, and it could very well be Sunday. Uh, nice to see it at home. I, I don't know if that's going to factor into it or not. I think the question, guys, for me is, you know, Sonny Milano's been playing really well. Is that a guy that's going to come out of the lineup? Is Alexei Protus going to come out of the lineup? It's going to be tough. It's not tough to fit him in because you, you want him in, but – uh, there's some guys that have been playing some pretty good hockey that might not be in the lineup when they ha- when that happens. I think that's going to be very interesting and certainly some tough decisions ahead, too. Yeah, certainly a good problem to have when you have too much talent. John, have a great call tonight as always, buddy. Appreciate you. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, my friend. Hit that commander sounder, please, Darius. I got that news. I'm going to Rick Snyder, columnist for the Van D.C. Joins us here on the Beltway Butts to talk about those commandos. Rick, I said this earlier in the show. I don't know if you heard it, but this is true. The commanders did another thing, or I guess, you know, whoever you want to call it, the promotion staff or marketing people, where Sonny Jurgensen's getting retired and Frank Herzog wasn't involved at all. Then they saw that everyone was upset about it. And now he's like going to do something kind of with the radio thing. I said they should call you. And anytime they're going to do anything, they you should just consult and tell them what they need to do so they don't have the mistake and then correct it with the second rollout. Your thoughts? You know, there was a time uh, they did call me and said, can you look at this big thing we're going to paint on the side of the stadium wall? So I looked at it. I found 10 mistakes, sent it back. All mistakes that you could have Googled and figured out. So we changed that. I don't know if they made the changes or not, but they painted it. But uh, I'm, I'm not here to be Dan Snyder's uh, employee, so I'll never do it. But, they, you know, there's plenty of guys in town, you know, uh, radio guys, that, especially that remember things. And, and before I forget, Happy ninth anniversary. There were people who said you'd never last a week. Might have been me. I don't know. But um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <clears throat> You're yeah. a good man. Thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Sunday, number one. I can't mm-hmm. wait to uh, get back to FedEx Field and stick it up with you. What do you think we're going to see in Sam Howe? We're about to ask that question and take calls on predicting his stat line. What kind of game do you think you'll have? Oh, that's interesting. I'll go uh, 11 for 27. 125, two picks, one touchdown. I just think they're going to blitz this kid to death. They got no line in front of him. And he's going to get overrun. And I think he's a better quarterback than that stat line. 
Well, this is going to be an ugly, ugly day. Yeah, what do you think the environment's going to be like? I mean, Sunny deserves an awful lot. I just sort of worry it's going to be underwhelming because of the context of the season and everything else. I guess that was the risk when you put it here at the end. But what do you expect the environment to be like? Well, I think it'll be a very, you know, be a lot of cheering people. It's just they'll all be wearing blue. So, you know, I asked Sonny that too. I said, Sonny, you think they're going to boo you because, you know, you beat them a lot? He just laughed. He said, I, we'll see. <laughs> but because I, I thought it was terrible, you know, the people in the stands are all going to be Cowboys fans during the ceremony. You know, I don't know if they'll do 50,000 at the game, you know, and of that, maybe 10,000 are Commanders fans. Uh, you know, it's just, it was a stupid day to do it this way, but. That's what they kind of do, you know, about things. And, and yeah, I, you do wish that they would just call sometimes and say, what do you think? And, and, you know, because, wow, there's so many avoidable problems like Frank, you know, that happen. It would be easy to do. And there's enough people in town that understand it. Having said that, you got a new ownership coming in. Who knows what they do? Yeah, I'm worried about maybe 40,000 total and 15K being commanders fans, something like that. But, I guess we'll we'll cross that bridge on Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. Uh, you mentioned the Frank element of the ceremony. We can get there in a second, but let's just start with Sonny. You talked to him. I'm curious about what kind of spirits he's in. How he's doing? I haven't heard his voice. I haven't seen him, frankly, in years. And uh, and then also for young people listening, I mean, just who he was as a player. Anything you want to opine about there? I was happy to hear Sonny's voice was really strong because in recent years it wasn't. It was really soft. And I kind of thought, you know, he's 88. Uh, but he sounded really good. I think it's because he's excited about this. Told me he wasn't really worried about his number being retired until basically started seeing other people be retired. And then he thought, well, you know, why not me? And uh, so I'm glad they came around to that quick enough. So he's in pretty good spirits. Billy Kilmer's coming. They love hanging out together. You know, I think it's his first time in town since Sam's funeral, which was last year, I guess. Um, you know, so he's looking forward to seeing his friends and bringing up his family and, and all that. And it's, it's good that Frank's coming. Like, it's the little things this team never can do. So as far as Sonny goes, <coughs> sorry, I'm like everybody else sick. Um, Sonny was a guy who could make any kind of throw. And even at the end of his career, he would come in late to back up Kilmer and help win games. He could do anything. It's, a, it's surprising that they didn't win more with him. Yeah, I wanted to get your 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 viewpoint on this, Rick. When you go back and look at some of the stats, different era, different time. I obviously never got to, saw, to see him play. My dad would never stop talking about him during even games when this team was great, right? Whether it was you know Jay Schrader missing a check down or Mark Rippin throwing knuckleballs down the field. Just it, Sonny was always invoked uh, in, in terms of his talent. There's a ton of bull dink on that Pro Football Reference page where he was leading the league in a lot of categories. Just I'd love for you to opine about how great he really was. Go to YouTube and Google Sonny behind the back throws. If you want to see how great Sonny was, Sonny in his 60s even could throw the ball on a frozen rope 40, 50 yards from behind his back. He could just wing it around. I mean, he would just do – that's that kind of arm he had. Dan Snyder used to let his corporate boys roam the sidelines before games, and he would always yell to Sonny, hey, Sonny, throw me a pass. I want to be able to see a call from you. Sonny's in his 60s would throw the ball an inch off their fingertips till we made them run 10 times and never let them catch one. He liked to just torment them. I mean, that's in the 60s, all right? So, Sonny could just heave the ball. He had great players around him, too. You know, he had, you know, uh, Charlie Taylor, and he had 
you know, Roy Jefferson and uh, Clint Didier. I mean, he had a lot of great players, too. That's why how that team didn't win, I don't know. But in 1969, Lombardi comes, and Sam Huff always used to love to say that was the only year Sonny was in shape, of which Sonny would give him a hard time back. But but Sonny got in shape, and they won. They, that was their first winning year in 14 years. Uh, I was a little bit of a shame that George Allen just went, wanted to go with Billy Kilmer right away. Uh, on this, because Sonny, you know, Sonny's had to bench a little while, uh, but he could he could do anything. It was magic in a town that really wasn't a big Redskins town, because you have to remember the Senators were still here in the '60s, um, and so football was second until the Senators left in '71, and then it was the only team we really had, you know, for a little while because the Wiz hadn't come yet or the Caps. Uh, so people suddenly realized you know, how much and George Allen came and, and everything came together for the team. So Sonny kind of missed that a little bit uh, on there. But Sonny always said the greatest player in team history was Sammy Ball. Uh, so I'll go with that. But to me, Sonny or Daryl Green would be the second, third. And if you ask who's next, I think it's I think Daryl Green should be next and then Rigo and maybe Art Monk. And after that, I don't know if he'd retire anymore. Rick Snyder, we, we can discuss that. I think that's a great topic for a, a future conversation <laughs> Indeed. with uh, Snyder Marks with us here on the Beltway Blitz. I didn't realize the Senators kind of owned the town from a sports landscape before they left. Uh, so you're saying then Sonny was better than Carson Wentz? A little. You know, no. I mean, if Sonny had, hmm. if Sonny had two Writing broken that down, arms a little, and two broken a little, legs, a little better. You know, if he had two broken arms and two broken legs, Sonny would still out throw away. <laughs> <laughs> just making sure I had that. And then last thing, can I get a thought on the, the Herzog part of this? The report early today was he wasn't invited. Now he has been invited. He's going to be there. Uh, what do you think? Whoever is Jason Wright's director of details, uh, he doesn't do anything. I don't know who he has or if he maybe doesn't have somebody, but they always miss out on these things. The little things, there's not an elder statesman in this organization anymore who can say this. I know people say about Doug, but Doug really wasn't around as much, and he didn't really come till the 80s. And they desperately need a guy like Sheehan or Poland, one of these guys that, that know all the stuff and can just quickly spot the problem, you know, and, and do it that way. And maybe the next owner will have somebody who's a, you know, a curator of the history of his team because they desperately need it. It just avoids stupid stuff. Rick, always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great weekend. All right, guys. See you in nine years. See you, buddy. That is your Beltway Blitz. On Grant and Danny, predict Sam Howell's stat line. You want to be a little broader brushed? How do you think he's going to play? You want to get specific with us? Give us your prediction for the Sam Howell performance in as much detail as you'd like. We're going to hit that next on Grant and Danny on the fan. From the 17, Howell steps up, takes off. Inside the 10, the 5, touchdown! How's Sam Howell going to play in his debut against the Cowboys on Sunday? That's the question. We're predicting his stat line, if you want to get detailed with us, on Grant and Danny. Welcome back. You're listening to The Fan. The MGM National Harbor listener lines are available for you right now at 800-636-1067. And you can hit us up on social media. I'm at Grant H. Paulson. That's funny, Danny, for me. I think it's important to note before we discuss what Hal can do in his debut that not only does Washington have nothing to play for, Dallas has everything to play for. At least initially. It would be a lopsided matchup if the Commanders 
had something to play for. The Cowboys would be favored by several points. These two teams played earlier this year. Washington with Carson Wentz at quarterback scored all of 10 points and lost by 15. They got doubled up. The Cowboys' defense is actually really, really good. They've been up and down at times in some categories, including yards given up this year. But they are one of the most opportunistic, best defenses in football when it comes to turning you over, forcing interceptions, getting to the quarterback, forcing fumbles, those types of things. The Dallas defense coming into this game is hungry and needs to play well. And this is the number nine defensive unit in the league, and they're number eight against the pass, and they're number eight at picking quarterbacks off, and they're number two at getting sacks. I'm going to say that again. Only the Eagles better at sacking the quarterback than the Cowboys. They get a sack every 9.6% of dropbacks. We'd be, you know, wildly in hysterics talking about how great this Dallas pass rush, pass rush is if it weren't for the fact that the Eagles might have a chance to set the record. You know what I mean? Like, the Eagles have five guys with double digits, I think. Maybe it's four with, with the fifth guy on the cusp. I, it's unbelievable what they're doing. They've already got a top five all-time sack pass rush, right? So Dallas is on the cusp of that, and you know what Micah Parsons can do. You've seen it. The Micah Parsons element, I think, is the one to consider first because you really never know where he's going to line up. I mean, he has almost traditionally just become an edge rusher now, but they can put him in the middle of the formation at inside linebacker. They can put him standing up behind an end as an outside linebacker. I've seen where they line him up almost as a defensive tackle uh-huh. and just let him you know, push the pocket from inside and try to use quickness to beat a guard or a center. It's crazy the things they do with him. On the season, I'm a little bit surprised. Frankly, he only has 13 sacks. Can you can you imagine by the way, real quick, sorry to interrupt you, to say only has 13 sacks yeah, and have you, it be a reasonable statement? Like when you watch him, yeah. you go, okay, he has three sacks tonight. Over the course of the year, I bet he's at 15 and a half. He's, he's right behind Bosa for the NFL lead, something like that. 13's not nothing. He he probably will get at least two and yeah, be 15 he's, he's for the year. He's incredible, and you can go, he's only got 13? Like, that's how good he is. It's very possible he gets four in this game. I mean, is that crazy to think about? Nope. I, I would say I'm going to give him two and he gets to 15. But there are other guys that get to the quarterback, right? Tank Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence is really, really good in the middle. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong has eight sacks this year. Lawrence has six. Dante Fowler has six. Donovan Wilson a defensive back has five that they blitz a lot. Sam Williams coming on on the defensive line at one point has three. So th- there's a bunch of guys on this team that can get home is the point of the dude's story. So the ball's got to come out quickly. You know this, though. The young quarterbacks basically have two things that they can't avoid. One is they're going to get hit and sacked more often mm-hmm. because they're not going to see and process things as fast. So in your first ever game, that's just unavoidable, and this is a really bad matchup in that regard. The second thing that happens inevitably with all young quarterbacks is you're going to throw interceptions. You're going to make mistakes for the same reason. You're not going to process and see things as quickly. You're not going to see the zoning linebacker who's who's baiting you into a throw or the safety who's coming over and robbing you when he's supposed to be covering someone else who's watching your eyes. Like There are going to be a couple of those throws you want back. So with that all in mind, let's talk about what is reasonable to expect for Sam Howell this weekend. And I know that he will have his wide receivers, but Brian Robinson, the RB1, is out. Gibson, the RB2, is out. It seems like their top right tackle, Cornelius Lucas, is not going to play. Possibly Norwell, not going to play. They could be down to backups at center, guard, tackle, and the other guard when this game kicks off. 
Not ideal for a debuting quarterback. No, the challenge is there. If everybody was healthy and everybody was available, this would still be a really tough challenge. Now, let alone you've got the injury report, kind of as you said. Um, to me, I, I I think they're going to try to protect him. And what I mean by that is, I'd love to see him drop back and sling it like early season Carson Wentz was allowed to do, throw it in, in, in the 40s. They didn't do that very often. I think there are only a handful of games this year where a, a Washington quarterback even completed you know north of 20 passes. I think it's less than half the time they did that, just to t- tell you about the attempts, the inaccuracy, the ineffectiveness at times. So to me, I think you're looking at like a, you know, a 19 for 32, 178-yard, couple interceptions, you know, four or five sacks, fumble, but with a couple moments where you go, oh, that was pretty nice, good run, or or way to escape the pressure there, way to find your second read, or, you know, good throw with anticipation. I still think we see some good. I just don't think the stat line is going to be very reflective of, of, of what Sam Howell ultimately is going to become if, if he's allowed to grow. I just think this is a really hard ask here to roll in without the most help and against a really hungry defense that A, has something to play for, B, needs to get right before the postseason. So the only thing I would say to that, because I think a lot of that makes sense, is if they're trailing, which it's I have to imagine you're anticipating that. Yes. And they're chasing the game, they're not going to have much of a choice but to throw it, I wouldn't think. And if they are down a bunch, I guess they could just keep handing it off and not care that they're losing. But I think he's going to throw it more than they'd like to. In other words, and my logic on that is just that that if you're down 21-7 in the first half and and then that becomes like 28 to 10 or something, you know what happens? You start dropping back a lot more. Now, hopefully they call off the dogs at that point from a Dallas perspective and they start sitting some guys because they don't want to risk any injuries and that would help him. But I think he's going to throw it more than like that game script you just said. Mm-hmm. That is, if they can keep it close, that's perfect. 19 of 32, kind of manage it. That means you ran it 30-plus times. I just, that's what happens when you play Houston, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's what happens when you play the Giants. Because I'm going, Wentz through it 28 times last week, and they were trailing most of that second half. Yes, they weren't getting blown out, though. That's true. That's I mean, true. They, they were able to, like, they had a drive at one point right before halftime where they had a 21-play drive, and they ran it 17 times. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Like, that game was close. They, in fact, were in the lead in the middle of the third quarter. They were never really behind until there was seven, eight minutes left where it was like, okay, now you're you're in garbage time. This game, I think there's a chance they're down by 15, 20 at halftime. I saw, by the way, on FanDuel that the, the line for Dallas in the first half is minus three and a half. That's, now, that feels like one that is pretty juicy. I'm not great at this, but that seems intriguing to me. I'm not great Are at you this intrigued? either. I'm intrigued to the tune of $50, if you know what I mean. That's a unit right there that's been shipped on that one? That's, yeah. that's called five units. Ah. And and that, that FanDuel bet has been placed by your pal. Uh, yeah, I, I just... I think Dallas takes a pretty convincing lead. He gets to throw it around a little bit. So here's my stat line. All right, we're, we want your Sam Howell stat line. That is the question. We're going to hit the phones on this at 800-636-1067 coming up. So line them up. Sam Howell goes 26 of 45, 232 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. I think he gets sacked four times, and he loses a fumble. So total three turnovers. And I think he runs for 31 yards. 
I'm adding in those 31 yards because I think it's kind of going to be fun. He's going to scramble a couple yeah. times. They might have a read option that goes for nine or ten yards. So here it is again. Ready? We should actually keep all these and do a close. Yeah, I was going to write them down. Yeah, we should do it closest to the pin bit. Somebody gets lunch on Monday or something. 26 of 45 for 232 with a touchdown and two picks, four sacks and a lost fumble, and 31 rushing yards for Sam Howe. So you get 19 of 45 for 232. 26 of 45. 26 of 45, sorry. Where you're getting 232. At. Yes. One tutty. Yes. One major tutty. Two interceptions. Two ints. Four sacks. Lost fumble. And 31 rushing yards. You're struggling over there, Renny. I'm not a stenographer. <laughs> Do you need me to do it again? Or you no, good? I got it. It's great radio. I'll just I keep repeating it. No, no, over say and over it one, again. If you just want to say it one more time, but I do have it. If you just want to write it really slowly and I'll just keep saying it. So four for 45, 1,926. Sure. Yeah. All right, I got it. What does Danny got? 19 for, 20, uh, 19 for 32, 178 yards, two interceptions, four sacks, lost, one lost fumble, and 15 rushing yards. I don't hear a major tutty in there. You did not hear that. If they don't get a major tutty in this game, they will have had one major tutty since they announced major tutty. Yeah. Actually, zero major tutties because he got announced at halftime. That is true. <laughs> so they will have gone six quarters without major tutty getting to do his major tutty name. I think there'll be a uh, commander tutty, which is what it should be, by the way. They're called the commanders, and the mascot is somehow a major, even though they're the commanders. Commander tutty seems very intuitive to me, but what do I know? I'm just a person that still cares about the team despite it all. Um, I do think they get one, but it's like a, a rushing total that doesn't help anybody fantasy wise. It'll be like a uh, you know, maybe a, a Patterson gets it or Jonathan Williams gets it or something like that. Nineteen of thirty two is a little silly efficient. I, I, you know what I like about that is I think it will be some short safe throws for yeah. him. That's why I've got him way up over fifty percent as well with twenty six of forty five. I just think he's going to have to throw it more. Um, Two thirty two. What if he goes for four fifty? Somebody tweeted me that very thing. <laughs> yeah, like I'd find Danny at Greenwich Paulson. But just what if? What if he goes four fifty and four? I'd be so stupid. Like, could you like now? What now? What is anyone supposed to do? He goes four fifty and four. The off season plan changes. <laughs> Let's go find yourself some offensive linemen, right. Sam. The four cars on the track. All right, your calls are next. We want to hear from you guys. So Danny's got him throwing for a buck seventy eight with a couple picks. I've got him with two hundred thirty two yards, a touchdown, and two picks. We both think he gets sacked four times and loses a fumble. I got him running for over 30. Danny's got him running for sub 20. I got him 26 for 45. He's got him 19 of 32. We'll get your thoughts on the Sam Howell debut next on Grant and Danny. We're down at 14. Howell steps up and spins. Now throws. It's caught for a first down into Carolina territory and still going. Finally dragged out at the 31-yard line is the seven-year vet out of Wisconsin, Alex Erickson, for a gain of 40. I see you extending a play, Sam Howe, a little August football. You know Kenny Albert's on the call of those preseason games. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. What is Sam Howell's stat line going to be? That's the question. 800-636-1067. All right, real quick, let's give our stat lines again. Danny, what do you got? 19-32, to 32, two interceptions, four sacks, a fumble lost for a buck 78, and uh, he rushes for 15 yards. By the way, if that's the stat line, I mean, it, we'll see what it looks like, mm -hmm. obviously, how it feels. 
might feel a little different than just the numbers. It's not terrible against this defense in that setting. This is what I'm saying. Also, it could turn out to be that he plays three quarters of the game, best case scenario, against a Cowboys team that pulls their starters. And if that is the case, then all of a sudden maybe he could look a little bit the better. The numbers might look better. That's against a good point. some backups, it becomes the preseason again. I was just kind of had it in my mind, this is the straight-up version, assuming everybody's best quality. That's how I'm doing it, But too. yeah, Philadelphia's up by you know 30 points. Then Dallas might say, okay, we, we're seeing the scoreboard. We'll, we'll relax our guys. If, in fact, they pull starters, it just becomes the preseason, and we saw him quite a bit in the preseason. Dealing. We saw what that looks like, right? And he played pretty well. I mean, he was 24 of 35 for 280 and a touchdown the last time we saw him. 9 of 16, 10 of 18 for 145 and 122 in the other two preseason games. Whole different world, obviously, but it would become a preseason game again if they pulled some guys. I got him at 26 of 45 for 232 through the air. Touchdown and two picks. I got four sacks and a lost fumble. I'm going to go with a three turnover game, but uh, 31 rushing yards to boot for Sam Howell. All right, I'm going to come to you, Darius and Ryan, in a minute. So prepare your stat lines for Sam Howell because I'm curious. We got a full bank of lines, so let's run through them here. Brady and Manassas, stat line for Sam Howell. Uh, first, some perspective on Sonny. He was the last Washington franchise quarterback to throw for 30-plus touchdowns in a season. That was in 1967. In 1967, by the way. It's so unbelievable. Yeah. When they weren't even throwing the ball. But, uh, I think Howell is 12 for 28, 120 yards, Oof. two picks, and rushes for like 47 yards. That's a tough afternoon. Running around a little bit is nice, but 12 of 28 for 120 is about as ugly as it gets. That's not going to feel real good if that's what happens. That's like the bad Heineke games that led to me coming in here saying never again. Let's go to Jay in Manassas. What's up, Jay? What's up, fellas? Thanks for taking my call. I call call the junks a lot, but this is my first time calling into you guys. Danny, kind of ridiculous. Your producer can, can attest to this. Our numbers are scary similar, but here's what I got. All right, I got 19 for 30, 185, one tutter, and I will throw in an interception because it's the Cowboys. I'm going to say three sacks, no loss fumble, and we're going to go with 47 rushing yards. Oh. And uh, I, want, I want in on this uh, closest to the pin thing you guys got going on. Make sure you write down Jay and Manassas because I'm going to hit the nail on the head, my man. All right, you jotted it down. So if nothing else, we can just go back and listen to the audio. Now, I don't know how we'll track down a listener. You'll have to come to us. But I am willing to uh, I'm willing to buy lunch for whoever is the closest person, listener or show member. I'm willing to do that. But if you think you're the closest, you're going to have to track us down, and we're going to have to go listen to the audio and make sure. So the 47 rushing yards is the outlier. That, you think about the game script, what that means, right? right? Like there's pressure, and he's just well, one his, read in Dunsky. But his line, though, with no picks compared to your two picks, uh-huh. that was how friendly. That was the I best. thought he said one. He said one pick. Or maybe, thought, maybe yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess he said one because it was 185, yeah. But a touchdown and a pick. That was the most friendly to how we've heard. That's the, the best he'll look. Mm-hmm. That would be they're running the ball pretty well. They're able to protect him. They're able to be pretty, pretty <clears throat> efficient and stay on the field. He doesn't look like a neophyte who's never done this against a gargantuan. Tyler in Alexandria, what's up? Yeah, hey, good afternoon, guys. So I have Hal going for 217. That's going to be 18 to 26. He's going to throw one touchdown. That'll be the Samuel one interception. That's going to be a defensive touchdown for the Cowboys. C.D. Lamb will score one TD. Final score, 27-13. Cowboys win. Wow. Two touchdowns, 217 yards. So let me do the quick math there. 217 yards on 26 attempts, 8.3 per attempt. 
for this team, this offense. Oh, man. That means you hit a couple home runs. Well, it's twice what we're used to, frankly, most weeks. Yards per play around here are normally in the low fives. Yeah. Maybe the upper fours. So if he's averaging eight yards per attempt, that's up there with some of the league leaders over the course of the year. That means you hit on a 51-yard gain to McLaurin. You hit on something down the field to De'Ami Brown. Paul, Southern Maryland, you're on Grant and Danny. We are guessing Sam Howell's stat line. All right, I'm going 27 of 34 for 320 yards, Whoa. three touchdowns, two in the air, one on his feet, 86 yards rushing, and the front office is kicking themselves for not doing what they should have done and naming us the Red Wolves with a name like Sam Howell. That script writes itself. Tell you what, Red Wolves, Howell, by the way, he just went off. The Howlers. Did he say three? 320. 322 and three. What's Kirk Cousins coming back? Two air touchdowns and one running, please and thank you. <laughs> okay. And how about 86 rushing yards in that prediction Sam Fields. As well? Let's go to Charlie and Dumfries. Charlie, what's up? Hi, guys. Uh, I'm going to rain on the prey a little bit. I think he's going to get knocked out in the uh, first quarter. I hope oh, it's not too bad an injury, concussion protocol. So he's going to go four for 10, one interception for a Dallas touchdown. And Heineke's going to come in and uh, mop up. It'll be Dallas uh, 38, Redskins 12. I just threw up a little bit. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> the, the saddest thing. prediction I've ever heard. Do we have a sad trombone available? And yet I could totally see it all happening. And I hope not for Sam Howell. Right. But he throws four completions. He throws a pick six. He's out of the game in the first quarter. Heineke comes in and they lose by a million. Dan Quinn mixes up a blitz that nobody's seen, that no one's prepared for. There's a cross-up. A guy comes unblocked. How it gets tattooed. Ugh. I mean, how would that not happen? Yeah. John in Arlington, how are you? Yeah, sorry. That that was kind of similar. Uh, I got 11 for 27 oh. for one, for 170, a TD, maybe a great play, maybe a, maybe just a, you know, McLaurin. Uh, Let's give him uh, a big-time throw, John. Let's give him a BTT. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, two interceptions, including one pick six. Oh. I got him. Sacked four times, including one for a safety. And oh, I got him no. knocked out, knocked out of the game, maybe on a kind of a YOLO scramble, trying to make something happen where you go, man, that took a lot of moxie. But then he gets the living snot knocked out of him by 310-pound uh, defensive uh, lineman or something like that, and he's out of the game. And, uh, and, and that's when uh, basically uh, Heineke has to come in. And- Heineke time. So he gave enough unique details to his prediction. That I mean, he could win. Like if he, he gets the safety, he wins. <laughs> right. If there's a safety, and at any point he's on the sideline being tended to, uh-huh. he could absolutely win. I want to sneak in one more. Dominic in Ohio, what do you Dom. got? Hey boys, thanks as always for taking the call. Uh, the stat line he should have and the stat line he will have will be completely different things because every time they run the ball is a waste of an offensive play. This game means nothing. Please see what the kid can do. He should chuck it 45 times. What Ron Rivera will do. He will go 11 for 16 for 136 yards, a tutty, a pick, and a strip sack fumble. 11 of 16 is – that's economical. That's just a concession stand right there. My guy's very <laughs> accurate there. All right, I want quick numbers from our producers. Darius, Sam Howell stat line, I want you on the record so that you enter into the uh, win-a-lunch conversation here. Sam Howell stat line will be 23 for 37, 268 yards, Ooh. one touchdown, Excuse me, one tutty, one interception. He's going to run seven times for 41 yards, but he is going to get sacked four times. Okay. 
I would say you have some high hopes. You 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 think he's going to sling it a little I, bit? I I I just told you I fell into a YouTube wormhole last night. One of those YouTube videos I watched was a 12 minute compilation of all of his preseason snaps. So oh, you were so fired. So you're I'm, in. <laughs> I'm feeling a little high right now. Okay, I I like that, Ryan. <laughs> I'm going to go 15 of 23 as well as 189 yards, one touchdown, two picks, and a fumble that is recovered by Charles Leno on that offensive line. But also, two plus 14 always equals six. I think De'Ami Brown finds that lone touchdown. So if De'Ami Brown isn't making some big catches from Sam Howell, isn't that going to be a little bit disappointing? Like those two dudes were BFFs totes. In college. Remember when it, when Hal was drafted, didn't De'Ami Brown cry? Isn't that the story? Like, they were so fired up, he gave him a phone call. They're best friends, man. They're pals. By the way, that's 8.2 yards per attempt there from Ryan Clary. Slinging it. That's, a lo- that's tough. Eight yards per attempt. All right, closest one to the pin gets themselves some lunch. Could this be the end of the Dan Snyder era? Let's get to that next. We got Nick Dowd at 610, Caps at 7 o'clock, right here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.